Good evening to everyone. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this day, Lord, for your anointing. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I just ask, Lord, that you would impart your word unto us tonight. Help us to grasp what your word is saying to us. Give us your uh, uh, illumination that comes only from the Spirit of God. And, Lord, that it would take root in our lives. Father, I know that your word is a conforming power. Lord, that it conforms our actions. It conforms the attitudes and uh, dispositions of our heart. It conforms, Lord, the motives of our heart into what it should be. Lord, we realize that we all have been touched by sin, stained by sin, controlled by that sin nature at one time, but now we're under the control of the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, I pray that you would, Lord, begin to produce the fruit of the Spirit within our lives, Lord, that we would have that long-suffering, that we would have that goodness, that patience, that kindness, Lord, that all of the fruits of the Spirit would be in operation in our lives, Lord, all the gifts and fruits of the Spirit, Lord, because we know, Lord, that that old sin nature, Lord, is, is totally opposite to you, Lord. It, that sin nature won't be subject to you. You said the carnal nature is not subject to the Spirit of God, neither indeed can it be. So, Lord, help us to walk by the power of the Holy Spirit, because only the Spirit of God can, can make of us a new creature. So, Father, we just ask that you would speak to us tonight from your word, Lord. I yield myself to you. Lord, I just ask that you'd use me for your glory, for your honor, for your praise. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Genesis chapter 23 uh, is where we're going to be at tonight. Uh, let me give you a couple other scriptures. I didn't know uh, that as many people that came out tonight was coming, so I don't have papers for everyone, but I'll just give you the scriptures if you want to write them down. Uh, first scripture that we're going to turn to will be found in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 and 2. Ecclesiastes is a book of Solomon, the wise man. It's where we get our English word ecclesiastical from. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, also 1 Kings 2 and 2. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 2. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 2. The next scripture, if you have those written down already, is 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 24. 1 Peter Chapter 1, 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 24. Y'all have all three of those written? Yes, yes. Also, 2 Timothy 4, verse 7 and 8. 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. All right, y'all have all those? Anybody need me to repeat it? Everybody good. All right. In our Bible study, we have been tracing the genealogy of man, uncovering the relational ties uh, from one family to the next so that we're not just reading the Bible as a, a sporadic 
type of reading. You understand what I'm saying? So that we go back from the beginning, from the first man, and understand who was related to who and, and how God developed the promise of the coming of the Messiah through those uh, offspring of Adam so that the Bible fits together so that we see because nothing in God is unrelated. There's no scripture that is that is an island by itself. You see what I'm saying? All scripture ties into another scripture. And God is giving us each each book of the Bible, each chapter, each verse. But it's a bigger picture, ultimately. And so we want to read the Bible so that we get the whole picture, not just a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit there. But the Bible says line upon line and precept upon precept. And so we want to understand how does the plan of God fit together? How did God move throughout each generation, starting with Adam? After Adam had sinned and, and fell away from God and therefore all men were made from that one blood and all of us were affected uh, uh, genetically and hereditarily by Adam's sin. It said that Adam sinned and so sin passed upon all men. David said, I was I was formed in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. There's nobody on the face of the earth that was not touched by what Adam did. And so here comes Jesus and God is 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 starting with Adam. He right after Eve and Adam sinned, God gave a promise. And he said that the, 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 the serpent, he said that uh, he said, I will put enmity, enmity or hatred uh, uh, between your seed and his seed. That's what he told the serpent, the devil. I'm going to put enmity, hatred between your seed and his seed and you shall bruise his heel, but he shall crush your head. And he was talking about Jesus right there. He was talking about Jesus coming and destroying. Je Matter of fact, first John, one of one of the books of John, I believe it's first John said that the, that Jesus came that he might destroy the works of the devil. Redemption is all about it's not all about uh, religiosity and a ceremony, but redemption is all about God bringing man into back into right relationship with himself. In other words, Adam lost something. Jesus is going to put it back. Adam, Adam was, was, was robbed by the devil, but Jesus is going to give Adam back what he lost. You remember, I'm sure most of you do, that Jesus gave a, 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 a couple of parables. Matter of fact, I think it was three parables that he gave. And he said that there was a woman that lost her coin. And he said that that woman went through our house and swept and kept sweeping until what? Until she found what she had lost. Uh, also, it said, he said that uh, that a man uh, that lost one of his sheep, he, left, he had a hundred sheep, but he lost one. One went astray. And he, went, he left the 99 to go after the one. And he searched and he searched and he searched until he found that one. And then he gave a parable about a prodigal son. That the man had two sons. And he said that the one son stayed home, but the other son went out and did his own thing. And even though he was a son, he lost. He didn't lose his sonship, but he almost lost his inheritance. He squandered his inheritance. Right. So the Bible said that the, the boy had to come to himself and his father was waiting on him when he got back home. So God is all about throughout the Bible. He's all about bringing man back to himself. He's all about restoring the right relationship between himself and us. OK, so. 
And that's what we're looking at. We're looking at each family because they, in, in each generation, there was a little peep or a little picture or, or, or a little foreshadowing of, of the Messiah, of Yeshua, Jesus. There was a little foreshadowing in all of that. Last week, we talked about what? We talked about Isaac and how God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son, his only son, the son who he loved. And so what is that a foreshadowing of? It's called the Akedah. It's a foreshadowing of Jesus because God gave his son, his only son, his son whom he loved. So all throughout the Bible, as you read the Bible, don't just look at the Bible like, OK, this is a story about Jonah. This is a story about, uh, uh, you know, about David. This is a story about uh, about uh, the, the, the children of Israel marching around the wall. No, the whole Bible is a story about God's redemption. The whole Bible is a story about God bringing man back into right relationship with himself. So we are we are tracking down uh, to Christ himself as we read throughout this Bible. As we start in Genesis, we're tracking down to where we to where we come, where Jesus comes on the scene in the in the new new uh, covenant. Uh, We're tracing down to that one who would fulfill God's plan of restoration of God's relationship with mankind. Uh, Bereshit, as it is called in the Hebrew language, which is Genesis or beginning, God begins with one man and one woman, Eve and Adam. Eve is the mother of all living. Thus, it is logical to conclude that Adam is the father of all living as far as the flesh is concerned. We know that God is our father, but God created a family through two people. That's what God was after. He was after a family. Uh, as far as the flesh is concerned, these are our foreparents, according to blood. Therefore, let us note in the chart, uh, we don't have our chart, but in the chart, uh, the generational connectivity, the blood lines from Adam to Jesus, the Messiah, which comes from the Hebrew word Mashiach. How many of you ever heard the word Messiah? Some of y'all have. It comes from the Hebrew word Mashiach. This word in turn comes from the Hebrew verb Mashach which means to smear or to anoint with oil for the purpose of dedicating or consecrating something to the service of Adonai, uh, which, is, which means God Almighty, Adonai. Thus, Yeshua, Jesus, was anointed for the purpose of God to redeem man back to God, to restore all things that was lost in the rebellion of the first Adam, but was restored and is being restored in the second Adam, which is Jesus. From Genesis chapter three, there began to be a looking forward, an expectation, uh, an anticipation of a deliverer, a savior uh, 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 of the of not only the Jewish people, but of all mankind. So let us together continue to pay close attention to God's plan as it unfolds. Through the Bible. Now go with me to Genesis chapter 23, where we'll pick up. Let me know when you're there. Say amen. If you got it. Amen. Amen. All right. Genesis chapter 23 says in, in in the version that I'm reading, it says Sarah lived to be how old? hundred twenty seven years. How many know that we only have so many years on this earth? That's right. And there, there is only a, an allotted time for each person. 
The Bible says how, how many years? If you live that long, then by reason of strength, three score and what? Three score and ten? Huh? Seventy, okay. But does everybody live to be seventy? Some people live past seventy. Some people don't make it to seventy. So we, each individual, only have a certain amount of time to do whatever it is that God has called us to do. To do, to fulfill our purpose on earth. We only have a certain amount of time. So we have to live like that. David said, Lord, teach me to number my days, to count my days. You see, because, because we're just breath. That's all we are. It says, Sarah lived to be 127 years old. These were the years of Sarah's life. This is how long, how, long, how many years Sarah had in her life. Sarah died in Kiryat Arba, uh, also known as Hebron or Hebron, in the land of Canaan. Uh, or Canaan and Abraham came to mourn Sarah and weep for his wife how many know that that death is a fact of life death is a fact of life and it is it is one of the things that lets man know let man know that he is not in control of anything how helpless does a person feel when they're on their deathbed and there's nobody that can help them, nobody that can do anything about it apart from God. Huh? But it said that she died. But she fulfilled her purpose before she died. That's the point. The point is not just to live and die, but the point is to live, do what God called us to do, fulfill our purpose, and then we'll be ready to leave this earth. You see what I'm saying? Somebody read for me uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. You probably know it by heart. And then 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 2. And then 1 Peter 1, 24. And then 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. Amen. Ecclesiastes 3. Yes. 1 and 2. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1 and 2. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted or to bear. All right. First Kings chapter two, verse two. And if you have it, read it. Amen. I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself. Amen. Mm -hmm. So that's David talking to his son Solomon, and he said, I go the way of all the earth. It doesn't, we all know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. It doesn't matter if you're white man, black man, Spanish, Puerto Rican, uh, Jewish, or whatever you are. Dr. King said that's the one common denominator amongst us all is death. That we're all going to die, the rich going to die, and the poor are going to die. Everybody's going to die. But the thing about it, you know, death to me is one of the hardest parts of life. I don't know about you, but to me, death is one of the hardest parts of life. It, 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 is, it is where you had this relationship with this person, but now this person is dead. They're gone. There's no more laughter. There's no more talking together. There's no more eating together. There's no more any of that. You see what I'm saying? And I don't think that a person, some people say they, they got themselves ready for it. I'm talking about the opposite person of that one that died. 
they say they're all family member or whatever. They got themselves ready for that person to leave here. But I don't think we're ever really fully ready for our loved one to leave. And it's, it's hard enough when a grandmother or a mother or whoever else dies. But then Abraham had to deal with the loss of a spouse. You see, that's, that's, that, that had to be a difficult thing. You know, this is the person that you were intimate with. This is the person that maybe you had a family with. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But nevertheless, there, were, there was a connection between the, the two individuals. But yet there came a time when Sarah left this earth. But yet Abraham had to keep on moving on. You see what I'm saying? He couldn't blame God or get angry with God or anything like that. But Abraham understood that God, when he offered Isaac, see, sometimes God brings us through certain situations to get us ready for another situation that we're about to go through. You see what I'm saying? And God had already asked Abraham to offer up his son, his only son. Can you imagine how he must have felt? That's my only son, the only one I have. And a man is proud of his, of his son. Most men are proud to have a son. It's one thing to have a daughter, but man, I, my wife having a boy. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Chest swell up and everything. He having a boy. That's my son. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and so, but yet, God gave him Isaac after all of the the barrenness that Sarah went through and everything else, she, God gave him that. But God said, give it back. Yes. You see, we have to be able to receive from the Lord and give back. If he, if he wanted to give it to us, we'll take it. If he wants it back, yep, I'm going to offer it back to you, Lord. What did Job say? The Lord give it and the Lord take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Had a praise uh, celebration right there. You see, but that had to be a hard thing. I I knew a man one time, I didn't know him in personally, but I knew a man that, his, he was an old man, he was up in age, and his wife had died. And this man would come to the church every day and sit in the pew and cry and cry and cry. I mean, every day the man cried, and he'd talk about his wife and he'd just burst out into tears, you know, and it, was, it, was, it took a toll on him. I mean, you know, that's, that's why I never... Tell anybody that's at a funeral or anything like that, don't cry. Cry. You know why? Because that's a natural thing. That is a mechanism that God has put within us to release those emotions. You don't want to keep that thing pent up. You have to deal with it. You see what I'm saying? You have to deal with that because that's a serious thing to lose someone. That is so final. That is so just, just, just the end until the resurrection on the other side. But as far as this life is concerned, that's it. It's over. You see what I'm saying? And, and we can't have all that just pent up and never deal with it. You see, because it'll take a real toll on us. And so the Bible said that Abraham lost his wife. But yet the Bible lost it. Let's read on. It said that uh, Sarah, uh, the years of her life was 127 years. Uh, Sarah died in the land of Kiriath Arba, also known as Hebron or Hebron in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn his wife, to mourn Sarah, and do what? And weep for her. The Bible said that he came to mourn his wife. How many know what it means, what the word mourn means? Huh? 
You're crying, you're weeping. The word mourn comes from the Hebrew word safad, which is a verb, which is an, an action. Means to wail. It means to beat your chest. It means to tear your hair out. As, as, as the Orientals did. And a lot of times the Jewish people in their culture, they would take ashes and put ashes on their head. Now we understand that death is a reality, but we have to do something with that situation. We have to be able to process through that situation. You see what I'm saying? Because you have to keep living. My dad told my mother but when, before he died, he was on his way out and he said, don't you die. Because I die. You see what I'm saying? You still have a purpose. You still have things that you have to do. So we can't allow that thing to, to, take the, to get the best of us. But God has given us ways to deal with everything. Don't you agree? Everything in life, God has given us a way to deal with. And there's nothing wrong with saying, well, this hurt me. I'm sad. I feel bad or whatever. Because it's a, it's a reality. That's the way it is. But yet Abraham had to keep on pushing on through all of that. So God, he'll give us, he'll give us a way to deal with it. Verse 3, then he got up. Did you hear what the word say? It said that she died. He went there to mourn her and weep for her. Then he got up. Huh? He didn't just stay there and keep mourning and keep mourning. Matter of fact, the Jewish people had a period of time set. There was so many days of mourning. And guess what? After those days of mourning was over, then you get up. But everybody don't recover the same from everything. Some people are still in that same place. And I'm not criticizing anybody, believe me, because that death is a hard thing. But some people are still in that same place where there's, they, they haven't allowed God to heal their hurt. They haven't allowed God to heal their heart. And the first thing of healing, God healing us, is being honest. Lord, look, this hurt me. You know, this hurt me. And, and I don't know how to deal with it. And he does. So it's not for us to keep carrying that thing and carrying that thing and carrying that thing. But let God deal with it. You see what I'm saying? Just like when I was preaching Sunday, the, Peter said God has given us everything that pertains unto life and godliness. There's nothing that God wants us to carry by ourselves. Nothing. Jesus said, if you, if you labor... And you're heavy laden, come unto me, take my yoke upon you, learn of me, and, and guess what? What did he say? I'll give you rest. Some people can't even sleep because they're still reliving that situation over and 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 over. I mean, it's hard, but the person's gone. They're gone. So you have to, in God's strength, in God's power, move on. Move on. All right. He got up from his dead, from his dead one, and said to the sons of Het. Het was a, a, a Hittite. I am a foreigner living as an alien with you. Let me have a burial site with you so that I can bury my dead wife. The sons of Het answered Abraham, listen to us, my Lord. You are a prince of God among us. So choose any of our tombs to bury your dead. Not one of us would refuse you his tomb for burying your dead. Abraham got up, bowed himself, uh, bowed before the people of the land, the sons of Het, and spoke with them. 
If it is your desire to help me bury my dead, then listen to me. Ask Ephron, the son of Zakar, to give me a cave of Machpelah. Now, Machpelah uh, had to do with, uh, I believe it was, uh, it means two, I don't have my notes right there, but it means two, uh, two heads or the way the cave was built, it was built one cave on top of the other or one on the side of the other. So it means twins or two, which he owns the one at the end of his field. Abraham was specific. He should sell it to me in your presence. I need a witness. <laughs> he said, I don't, don't just I don't want you to give it to me, but I want you to sell me that cave so I can bury my wife. And I want you to, to sell it to me in, in uh, the presence of other people. So I'll have a witness. He should sell it to me in your presence at its full value. Then I will have a burial site of my own. Ephron the Hittite was sitting among the sons of Het, and he gave Abraham his answer in the presence of the sons of Het, who belonged to the ruling council of the city. No, my lord, listen to me. I'm giving you the field with, uh, with its cave. I'm giving it to you in the presence of my people. I give it to you. Abraham bowed before the people of the land and spoke to Ephron in, in their hearing. Please be good enough to listen to me. I will pay the price of the field accepted from me, and I will bury my dead there. But Ephron answered Abraham, or Abraham, my Lord, listen to me. Back and forth now, back and forth. A plot of the land worth 400 uh, silver shekels. What is that between me and you? Just bury your dead. Abraham got to the point of what Ephraim had said, so he weighed out for Ephraim the amount of money he had specified in the presence of the sons of Het, 400 shekels of silver. Of the weight accepted among the merchants, 10 pounds. He weighed out 10 pounds for him. Thus the field of Ephraim in Machpelah, which is by Mamre, the field, its cave, and all the trees in and around it were uh, deeded to Abraham as his possession in the presence of the sons of Het, who belonged to the ruling council of the city. Then Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah by Mamre, also known as Hebron or Hebron, in the land of Canaan. The field and its cave had been purchased by Abraham from the sons of Het as a burial site which would belong to him. Abraham said, I need, I, I love my wife, still love her. That's my family member. I don't want just know anything to happen to them, even after they leave, even though that's bones, even though they've left here. I want to make sure that their burial site is secure. You see, and they bury people with respect, you know. And so Abraham, see, this guy, Het, Het was one of the sons of, of, of Canaan, which was one of the sons of Ham. Y'all remember Ham and what he did to his dad? So Abraham knew what kind of character person he was dealing with. Some people would try to mess over you even though you're trying to go to them and buy a burial plot and all this kind of thing about to bury your, uh, your dead family member and they're going to try to take advantage of you. People do all kind of things. You see what I'm saying? You over there at the, at the, at the cemetery 
Trying to get a better apply, they're gonna sell it to you for more than what it's worth and all that kind of stuff. Huh? Abraham said, I'm not gonna let that happen. I'm gonna make sure that this thing is sealed and that somebody else is a witness of it. Because there's a way to deal with every situation. But we see, whatever situation we go through in life, God will show us how to deal with it. Every situation. And God showed Abraham what to do and how to do it. Huh? All right. Did we finish First Peter 1.24? Somebody read that for me, please. Uh, it says, For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withered, and the flowers thereof fall a week. All right, 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. Second Timothy chapter four, verse seven and eight. Okay, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which is which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to the own, or not to only me, but also to all. Who have loved his appearing. So Paul knew. See, there's some things, even being a Christian, that, that we just can't get around. And, and that's one of them. I mean, some people are, uh, I guess, afraid to die because they don't understand it. They don't know what's going to happen to them once they leave this earth. You see what I'm saying? But if we are in Christ, truly in Christ, we know that the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then those that are alive and remain shall be caught up with them in the air. The Bible says God has not given us a spirit of, of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We have to realize that it's coming. Oh, it's coming. If Jesus don't come first, death is coming. And we have to be ready to meet death when it comes. But Hebron, which is where Sarah was buried, uh, means uh, city of the four association or league. It means city of the four. It also means association or league. Because there actually, I believe there was four caves. And they say that Abra that uh, Adam and Eve was buried there. I don't know how true that is, but that's what they say. And also uh, Sarah and Abraham was buried there. Isaac and Rebekah, they say, was buried also at Mashpelah. Uh, and God had already promised Abraham that his descendants would be in the land. So Sarah's bones didn't have any business being anywhere else. Except in the land of Canaan, because God said, I'm giving you that land. You and your descendants, I'm giving the land to you. Matter of fact, there were other people living in the land, but they weren't righteous people. They were people that did all kind of evil things. They sacrificed to idols, the Hittites, the Amorites, all these people. They sacrificed to idols. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter how secure. a Listen to me. It doesn't matter how secure people may seem like they are living in their big fine houses or or it seems like they're doing so good and nothing's happening to them and I'm trying to do right and look like everything's happening to me. There is a day. There is a day. And God said, I'll take them. What, how many of y'all know about the scripture? The wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. God said, I'll take what the, what the wicked have because they don't know how to worship me. They don't know how to praise me. They won't even, they won't even give me the time of day. So guess what? I'm going to take what they have and I'm going to give it to you. 
Somebody that is following me. Somebody that is trying to walk righteous. Amen. All right. What do we leave off at? Let's see. I think we left off what? Reverse. Did we read verse seven? No, no. In uh, Genesis chapter 23. All right. Let's read verse nine. To give me the cave of Matchbalah, which he owns, the one at the end of, the, of his field. He should sell it to me. I think I read all of that. All right. Well, I asked y'all what we left off at. Nobody told me nothing. All right. I finished it. Let's read uh, chapter 24. By now, Abraham was old. Advanced in years. Uh, and Adonai, which is God Almighty, had blessed Abraham in what? All things. All things. My Bible says everything, which is the same thing. Abraham said to the servant who had served him the longest, who was in charge of all that he owned. He had somebody that he can count on. How many, how, how many of you have somebody in your life that you can count on? Had served him the longest, who was in charge of all he owned, he said to him, put your hand under my thigh because I want you to swear by Adonai, God of heaven and God of the earth, that you will not choose a wife for my son from among the women of the Canaanite. Why is that? Why did God tell him that he didn't want him to choose a wife for his son Isaac from those of the Canaanite? Because they were a wicked people among whom I am living, but that you will go to my homeland, to my kinsmen, to choose a wife for my son, Isaac. The servant replied, suppose the woman isn't willing to follow me to this land. Now we're getting into the will of God and how God causes things to work. Uh, he said, must I then Bring your son back to the land from which you came. Abraham said to him, no, indeed. See to it that you don't bring my son back there. God called me out of there. I don't need to go back there. There's nothing there back there for me. There's nothing back there for my son or from, for any of my descendants. Adonai, the God of heaven, who took me away from my father's house and away from the land uh, I, had, I was born in, who spoke to me and swore to me, I will give this land to your descendants. He will send his angel ahead of you and you are to bring a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is unwilling to follow you, then you are released from your obligation under my oath. Just don't bring my son back there. You see, and, and you begin to see how God was stitching all of this together. You know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all that have read a little bit further, you know what I'm talking about. God, his plan, he said to the serpent, I am going to put enmity between you and, and his seed. You're going to bruise his heel and he's going to crush your head. So God begins to move throughout each generation to put this thing together. Ishmael was born of the flesh. God doesn't want us to try to work anything out in our lives if we're going to follow him according to our flesh. Well, I'm going to make it happen. Well, I'm going to take this. I know how I know somebody that can that can help me make help me to do this. Help me to carry this thing out. Whatever it is. I'm just it's, it's, a, it's a general statement. I'm going to find somebody that can help me to make this work. 
You see, even sometimes when God has given us a promise and given us his word, uh, we, we're going to find somebody that, that can do this thing for us. There's not anybody that can do anything for you when you're walking with God. The only one that can do anything is God. It's his plan. It's his program. He's the one. No, I don't need to pull no strings and tell me about it's not what you know is who you know and all that kind of thing. I don't want to hear that. Because God will say, well, you go ahead and do your thing then. You let them pull some strings for you and find out what happened. <laughs> They'll get wrapped up in them same strings that they're trying to pull. Huh? But God, but God said, look, I am going to give you a son through Sarah. So the Christian life is either our strength trying to make it happen or we're going to walk by the spirit of God and he's going to make it happen. Isn't that right? So God said, look, and that's why a lot of time God lets us get into a lot of situations that is beyond human assistance. Huh? How many of y'all have ever been in a situation that just was beyond human assistance? There was nobody that could help you know what. Huh? It was so it was so big that no man couldn't put his hands around the situation. Huh? But God made it happen. Why? Because God wanted us to know it's me. Yes. Trust me. Don't trust nobody else. Trust me. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna give you people that will assist you and all that kind of thing, but it's but they're gonna follow my plan. You see what I'm saying? I'm going to give you people that are sent from me to help you. To help you do what I told you to do. Uh-oh. Sorry, I'm talking to myself, huh? So God said, God said, I'm going to send my angel before you. A lot of times, Paul, we, we bring on ourselves so much undue stress. Undue stress and undue worry. Worrying about how this is going to happen. Worrying about how I'm going to pay my bills. How I'm going to pay my house note. How I'm going to do all these things. How is it going to happen? Let me tell you, everything that happened in Abraham's life was not logical. It was not logical that an old woman and an old man was going to have a child. That is not logical. That's right. so, it, so what? We need to try to, to just halt ourselves from trying to figure things out. Stop fretting. What the Bible David says? Fret not. Fret not. Huh? Because if we fret and then we get into self, we'll start doing things that normally we would not have done. Huh? All underhanded and back behind the back and all this kind of stuff. And don't nobody know and sliding this to this one and sliding that to that one and all that kind of stuff. Let God do it. Do it righteously. If you have to wait 20 years, do it righteously. Huh? Abraham was willing to wait on the Lord because he realized who was in the driver's seat. And, and by us trying to make things happen, that shows us who's in the driver's seat. Huh? Is God in the driver's seat steering our lives wherever we go and, 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 and making ways for us and, put, and putting us on different paths and stuff like that? God said, look, guess what? I'm going to put my, send my angel before you. God, let me tell you something. When God has given you a promise, God is already in the process of working things out so that that promise can come to pass. He said, I'm going to send my angel before you. Let me give you another example, and then we're going to uh, get ready to get out of here pretty soon. But when Jesus came on the scene, John the Baptist was born around the same time Jesus was born, right? While Mary was pregnant, Elizabeth was pregnant. When Mary walked into Elizabeth's house, the baby in Elizabeth's stomach jumped. He leaped. Huh? And then, what his name was? John. The Baptist, right? 
And what did John say? John said, I'm not him. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not Yeshua. He said, but I've come before him. I'm a forerunner uh, to make his way straight. Huh? Lord have mercy. He said, I've come to make his way straight. While God was sending Jesus, he was sending another one to work out what needs to be worked out so Jesus could be effective in his ministry. Huh? God has already made the way. You ever saw one of those machines when they get ready to make a road? I know you've seen them, David. When they get ready to make a road and that big machine go through there just knocking down trees. And then another machine come and pick, it, pick the trees up and put them in a the truck. What, what are they doing? Huh? They're making a way. They're making a road. Huh? It doesn't matter. You couldn't even see through those trees before. Some of us are facing situations that we can't even see through. Huh? Stuff all in the way look like. Look like there's no way in the world that this thing going to come to pass because there's too much stuff in the way. But yet, even though we couldn't see through those woods, and it's the truth anyhow, whether you like it, whether you accept it or not, we couldn't even see those, through those trees. But by the time that machine get finished, you can see clean through there. And then they can start what? Making a road. Huh? In our own lives. There's, there's times, boy, if you look at situations, it'll get you discouraged. Huh? Make you want to give up. Like, man, I, this is too much stuff. This is just too much. This is just too much. But how many of us realize that God has already sent his angel before us? Huh? To clear the way. To clear the way. To clear people out of the way. To clear things out of the way. To clear situations out of the way. There's some situations that you and I could have gone through, but God made a way. We don't even know how many situations that happened in our life that could have happened in our lives, but it was God that made a way. The Bible said that God sends forth his angels. He said, don't. He said, watch how you entertain strangers. Because some of you have entertained angels unaware. He said angels are ministering spirits sent on your behalf to minister to you and I. Well, I can tell, I can tell you some stuff now. I'm sure you probably can tell me some things. But God, the old people used to say he makes a way. I knew y'all knew it. Make a way out of no way. Huh? The old church mothers used to say. Huh? You imagine me. Lord, make a way out of no way. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he said, put your hand under my thigh. And he sent his servant to go and get his son a wife. Because I want you to swear by Adonai, God of heaven and God of earth, that you will not choose a wife for my son from among the women of the Canaanites, among whom I am living, but that you will go to my homeland, to my kinsmen, to choose a wife for my son Isaac. The servant replied, suppose the woman is not willing to follow me to this land, but... He said, then you will be released from your, uh, from your oath. Where am I at? Verse 8. Let's see. My eyes kind of messing up on me there. But if the woman is willing, unwilling to follow you, then you are released from your obligation under my oath. Just don't bring my son back there. The servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham or Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. So he swore to his master that he would he would follow what he said to do. Then the servant took 10 of his master's camels and all kinds of gifts from his master, got up and went to Aram. How you pronounce that? Mesopotamia. OK, all right. Well, it's a different name here. We'll just say Mesopotamia. All right. It's easy. 
to Nahor's city. Now, he said he took 10 camels. Uh, 10 is the number of government or the number of control. Uh, verse 11 says, toward evening, when the, when the women go out to draw water, he had the camels kneel down outside the city by the well. He said, Adonai, God of my master, Abraham, please let me succeed today. So you see, as God is leading him, he's praying. As God leads him, he's praying. You hear what I'm saying? As God is leading him, he's not trying to figure it out. He's praying. He's asking for God's favor. And show your grace to my master, Abraham. Here I am standing by the spring as the daughters of the townsfolk come out to draw water. I will say to the one of the girls, please lower your jug so that I can drink. If she answers yes, drink and I will water your camels as well. Then let her be the one uh, you intend for your servant Isaac. This is how I will know that you have shown grace to my master. Verse 15, before he had finished speaking, Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her jug on her shoulder. The girl was very beautiful, a virgin, never having had sexual relations with any man. She went down to the uh, spring, filled her jug, and came up. The servant ran to meet her and said, please give me a sip of water from your jug to drink. Drink, my lord, she replied, and immediately lowered her jug under or unto her arm and let him drink. When she was through uh, letting him drink, she said, I will also, listen at this, I will also draw water for your camels until they have drunk their fill. What did the servant pray? That Lord, whoever it is, let them not only give me a drink, but say, I'm going to water your camels too. She quickly emptied her jug into the trough, then ran again to the well to draw water and kept on drawing water for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence. He couldn't believe it, how it was all fitting together, waiting to find out whether Adonai had made his trip successful or not. So we'll close with this. Let me tell you something. It might not always look like it's going to work out and all that kind of stuff. But when God is in the situation, did you see how God just put all that together? And what was the key in all of that? Prayer. Prayer was the key. Huh? When God is leading a situation and when God is leading a people or a person, he will put all the pieces together. He will put everything in his place. He will make sure that the right person is at the right place at the right time. You can't get no more perfect than how God do it. You can't get better than that. Now, let me tell you something. There's, there's some people and God will allow a person, if that's what they want to do, if they want to try to control a situation or try to uh, uh, master a situation, God let them do it. Until they wear themselves out. Until they wear themselves out. Because ultimately, let me tell you, it's like this. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, many plans are made in the hearts of man, but the Lord's purpose shall prevail. Many plans 
are made in the hearts of men, but the Lord's purpose shall prevail. So God, God put all that together. God stitched it all together. You ever seen like somebody knitting? Yeah. Huh? The whole thing doesn't come together at one time, does it? No, no. Stitch by stitch by stitch by stitch. And it looked like it's a tedious process. And sometimes when you're going through situations, that's what it is. It's a tedious process. And it takes time. It takes time. It takes patience and all that. We have to learn to wait yes. on the Lord. Huh? And don't try to figure it out because you never will. God said, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. As high as the heaven is above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. But if God spoke it, then God's going to bring it to pass. He said that I will bring my word to pass. He said, I watch over my word to do what? To perform it. To perform it. Everything that God promised Abraham, Abraham got. Everything God, if it's really God, because some people walk around and say, God told me, God told me, God told me, and it's not God. There were prophets that said, thus saith the Lord, and the Lord said, I haven't said anything. They're wagging their own tongue. I haven't said nothing. But God is only obligated to what he said. Did you hear what I said? God is not obligated to what we say he should do, but God is only obligated to himself. The Bible said that God will not deny himself. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you right now for the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus, Father, Lord, that you would walk with each one of us, Lord, in a special way. Father, we know that, Lord, that you're the one who called us out of darkness to, to walk in your marvelous light. So, Father, help us, Lord, to realize, Lord, that you bring everything into the proper perspective in our lives. You cause all situations to work together for good according to your purpose, not according to our purpose, but according to your purpose, Lord. Your word says, Jesus, that you make all things beautiful in your time. Lord, your, 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 your servant Solomon said there's a time for everything. So, Father, help us to know the season that we're in. Help us to know the time that we're in, Lord. You gave us the seasons. Lord, you said that it's first the natural, then the spiritual. Lord, as it is summer, winter, fall, and spring, Lord, you give seasons, Lord God. And there's nothing that we can do about those seasons. So, Lord, help us to dwell in whatever season you have us in. Help us to be busy about what you have us to do in that season, at that time, and to realize, Lord, that we're not in control of the season or the times, but that you're in control of the seasons and the times. Lord, you say when it rain, you say when it snow, you say when the wind blow, Father, you say when the sun shines, you say when the rain comes down from heaven. Lord, there's some things that man just need to realize that we don't have any control over. Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus. Lord God, we, Lord, Father, I pray that you come through this church and every church, Lord, not just this church, but every church, like a whirlwind, Father. Lord, that you would shake everything that can be shaken because you're trying to talk to your people. You're trying to get our attention. You're trying to get us to fall in line with you. Father, have your way, Lord. Have your way, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you, you, you said, Lord, that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Father, help us to never leave you or forsake you. Because, Lord, we know that you're faithful to us, but help us 
to be faithful to you. Lord, as we leave from this place, I pray that there will be no breakdowns, no flat tires. Lord, and that everyone on the road would obey the speed limit, Lord, not putting another person's life or health in jeopardy. But, Father, I pray that you would have your perfect will and your perfect way. And, Lord, that you would keep each person, Lord, under the sound of my voice. Lord, I know that you deal with all of us in a different way, Father. But, Lord, I pray that you would deal with us, Lord, that your grace won't run out, that your mercy won't run out, Lord God. Father, I pray, Lord, that we would turn, Lord, and, 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 and give our whole heart to you, Father. Lord, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that you'd have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.